Good morning, everyone. With me is Liz Perry, Executive Director of Travel Juno. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, how's Travel Juno doing? We're doing really well. And right out the gate, I would like to say that we could not do our work if it were not for our Tier 1 and Tier 2 partners. And I'd like to just name those really quickly. Wings Airways, uh, Taku Glacier Lodge, uh, Juno Tours Whale Watch, M&M Tours, Mar Charters, Sea Alaska Heritage Institute are all Tier 1 partners. And among our Tier 2 partners are Heritage Coffee Roasters, the Alaska Marine Highway System, AJ Mine Tours, Above and Beyond Alaska, Jorgensen House, Alaska Seaplanes, Juno Food Tours, Barnaby Brewing, Spice uh, Restaurant, Crystal Saloon, and Ock Rock. So they've all come in and they, they help us do our work. Thank you. And how has Travel Juno's work been these past couple months? Uh, now that COVID is a little bit in the rearview win- window now. Well, we have been making you know adjustments and getting back to what is still pretty much a, a restart of the um, of the industries. And I believe that while. Uh, COVID is going to be with us for a while. Our partners uh, have managed to have a pretty good summer. Uh, they have been operating uh, pretty at a pretty good clip, despite staffing concerns and uh, shifting shift schedule, you know, ship schedules, and other things that uh, impacted the year. You mentioned workforce shortage. Uh, we've been hearing that even at Southeast Conference, whether it be the reports or by the numbers, there is an issue with workforce over there. So what have you been hearing in terms of that specifically? I think it's what everyone has been hearing uh, from like all over the U.S. This is this is a nationwide matter of fact, an international problem as well. But most of our operators uh, did find themselves in a position where they would have to uh, cut a shift. They would have to cut a uh, an excursion simply because they did not have staff to adequately cover uh, that experience. So a lot of our middle managers, our owners are stepping up to the plate, filling in those gaps and and working those things out themselves. And we're working uh, together with Alaska Travel Industry Association, working on solutions to that. I know that that's going to be a really hot topic when the uh, Alaska Travel Industry Association meets in Sitka in a couple of weeks. Well, and when we when we think about uh, in terms of how to improve Juno as a destination, I doesn't really sound like cutting having to cut back on uh, on. Uh, expeditions isn't really going to help us so what what do you think could be done to address this workforce shortage in the industry it's a combination of things kevin uh, not the least of which it includes uh, some housing options for an inbound work staff uh, no longer are um, operators in a position where they have hundreds of for example college students wanting to come to alaska for that alaska experience uh, the people that are showing up the door now uh, are telling us you cannot pay us in sunsets anymore we need time off we need uh, a good rate of pay and we need places to stay so again this will be something that uh, atia will pick up in a couple of weeks as well um, but certainly employee housing seasonal housing plays a big part in our ability to recruit our seasonal staff now for the key of this whole industry the visitor themselves uh, what what have you been hearing in that regard even despite these workforce shortages for the most part, I believe our visitors have been having a great Juno experience. Uh, we, of course, had a you know, beautiful first part of the summer. It's been a little rainy the second part of the summer. 
But getting uh, getting to Juneau has been uh, the dream of a lot of our visitors, whether they come in by cruise ship or they come in independently. And for the most part, I believe they've been having a great experience here. That's what we're hearing from our our. Uh, volunteers down at the visitor center and certainly uh, the crew from Ironman had a great experience in Juneau as well. well. Yes, I'm hoping to take that up here in a moment, but to on the cruise season I had noticed on the cruise ship calendar it looks like going into 2023, we're looking at our first and last cruise ship showing up a week before they did this year. And I was wondering, it seems like this season is just growing. What do you think? It certainly, if you look at the schedule, it is. I mean, of um, course, these are the outliers, so you know, correct. It, it doesn't start heating up until a little later in the season. But. Correct, and and but it points to uh, I think a, a bigger. Um, hurdle I believe that we need to talk about as an industry and as a, a community as well and that is what are we able to offer these visitors that early in the season or that late in the season of course you come in you know to Juneau on a day like today the weather's pretty rocky and normally this would be the tail end of our season you know several years ago we'd be tapering down to maybe three or so ships a week so it is a big concern uh, for us, and I know for our operators, uh, generally operators cannot get staffed up and get going much before May. They are reliant upon students coming in from college, getting out of school. And the same thing is true on the other end of the year uh, with departures of people getting ready to do other things down south, going back to school. So staffing and keeping operations going in those really long shoulder seasons is something we need to take a really good hard look at and uh, and have that conversation with the lines and but even just outside of the cruise season when we think about independent travelers uh, i i was reading once from a travel blog that there's been a little bit of issue with independent travel because the hotel and travel expenses have increased as we've heard with many other things due to inflation i wanted to know how can we reconcile that it's a marketplace issue so uh when folks are looking for a destination they will take into consideration what it is that they can do there uh, what is going to be their experience there and they let that marketplace decide whether it's something that they really want to invest in and we know of course that with uh, you know seasonal you know both seasonal inflation and those adjustments for airfares demand pricing all of that is going to play into folks decisions about the destination they select it's something uh, again we're kind of keeping an eye on especially after we're starting to get the numbers in now for the summer so we'll be able to see what hotel occupancy actually was and uh, take take a look at those numbers and we want to make sure that Gino doesn't get priced out of the market, even for our uh, more uh, wealthy independent travelers. We want Juno to be accessible. It is a, a state capital. We want it to be a family destination. And what do you think are all the puzzle pieces here that could be put together to make it, make Juno that destination attractive for visitors? What, what, are, what do all the factors that need to come into play for that? I think we have a really great variety of opportunities for our visitors, whether those are inside um, museum type opportunities, educational opportunities, outside opportunities. 
and I know that our operators are a very uh, creative bunch, and when they see a niche that needs to be filled, they will they will fill that with an, a new excursion and a new product. So keeping um, keeping ahead of what our visitors are interested in and making sure that we have products and uh, adventures for them to take advantage of alongside the general great experience that they should have when they are in Juno. And that includes getting staffed up, making sure our staff have places to live, making sure everyone has you know, access to that, take some strain off of those kinds of factors as well. And touching on another on another piece of business that brings folks here it's also the convention uh registration and what we see over at our centennial hall how much use that gets uh, what have we seen so far with conventions there's still a fair amount of interest in Juno as a destination, even post-pandemic. What we're finding is that planners are looking for destinations that are off the beaten path. So they are, are trying to get out of places like Vegas and Chicago, where you have these huge, huge um facilities that they have to fill and they're going for more regional localized uh, meetings and events so Juno is in a great position to to bring that in uh, with Centennial Hall being offline for the next uh, several months starting in late November early December uh, for that infrastructure upgrade that does uh, give us a kind of a hurdle to, to manage. It will help that the Baranoff is open this winter, starting in January. That will give us uh, some extra rooms and some extra meeting space that we really, really need. I believe that uh, conventions, whether they are in face or a, like a hybrid form, there I think hybrid is here to stay as well. Um, and there is a lot of renewed interest in getting people back together face to face. So, on uh, to put a wrap on the cruise season this year and looking on to 2023 what are your hopes going into the next cruise season well you know and again as as travel juno doesn't uh market to the cruise well we we just kind of put some perspective around this is that um we know that five to seven folks out of a hundred or so that visit juno on a cruise are going to return to juno um, and visit Juneau, Southeast Alaska, and, and Alaska in general within a market cycle. So Travel Juno's role is to uh, help ensure that there are things for those folks to do, that they have a great experience, that they get great information while they're in town. So our role is to ensure that we're giving the best experience to those uh, folks when they come into our visitor center or when they call in to get information and they will select Juno as the next destination because they had a great time here. Very good. Well, we'll be back after the break. And we're back with Travel Juno's Liz Perry. And we're going to take up that topic I said we would earlier. That's Iron Man. So first of all, broad brush, Liz, how, how would you say it went? I'd say it went really well. Um, the Iron Man folks came in completely prepared, had all of their uh, all, all their stuff with them. Um, they, of course, have written the book on the process for this, so they have plans A, B, C, all the way through to E and F in case uh, some contingency comes up. They are ultra prepared. 
Uh, by and large, the athletes had a wonderful time in Juno. Many expressed to me that they had never run in a race, and most had run several, where the community turned out like Juno did. Uh, to even just folks at the end of their driveway, you know, waving people on and, uh, you know, with the cowbells and, and really giving them a, a little bit of oomph to, to keep on running. And they had not seen that in previous uh, Ironman competitions. So kudos to Juno for really showing up and helping out. Uh, we're already uh, in the process of kind of getting some preliminary information together for it. Uh, for volunteers so those opportunities will be up and running very soon we will have our debrief with iron man in the next couple of weeks to see how we can uh, put some new ideas together to make this race even better both for the athletes and for the community and so when you have that meeting with iron man what are you hoping to convey to organizers we want to make sure that organizers have the community's best interest in mind as they are putting together changes to any of the routes, uh, putting together changes to logistics. You know, where should flaggers be? Who should who should those flaggers be? For example, um, we want to uh, take care of the traffic hiccups that we. We experienced, um, even though most were fairly short term, uh, and that is in the best interest of the athletes and the community as well. We want to keep the athletes safe, make sure they're having a great experience, and uh, let you know have a great experience about this too. One of the things that really came uh, to the front for us is access to the race. People wanted to watch it. They wanted to see it live streamed. So working with the Ironman team to ensure that we've got as many points of access for the public as possible is going to be top of mind when we debrief with them. Well, speaking of online presence, I know the Facebook got a lot of got a lot of traction in helping the visitors. Yeah. It did. Uh, that was the place where people could go on and uh, post their uh, rentals if they had them uh, we had a lot of folks uh, called me uh, residents called me within uh, even two weeks of the race saying hey I would love to just host an athlete I don't want to charge them anything and we just want the opportunity so when we get our uh website back up and running we have taken down the 22 site we're giving it a refresh for the 23 ironman page and after this debrief we would like to put some ideas together to uh, make the lodging experience and make the community experience even better so like we were talking a little bit about in the first part of the program you know basically how do we sell juno to visitors here what would you say ironman now does in putting us on the map for events like these it's hard to deny the impact of having an internationally recognized brand come into town and and successfully have an event here uh, for which their athletes were extremely happy. So that word of mouth is worth a lot to Juno. Uh, people just expressing what a great time they had, the things that they did. Families that I talked to during the course of the week were coming up and saying, okay, we've, have, we've done a whale watch, we've done some hiking, we have visited the State Museum. Here are some other things we're interested 
interested in doing, can you help us out? So they weren't just here for Iron Man. They were not just here for Iron Man at all. And it's our understanding that average stay in town was seven days and upwards of 10. So people brought families in, their traveling partners, and they wanted to do the full Juno experience. Not only that, we heard from lots of folks who stayed in Juno to do all the things here. Then we're going to go north to uh, visit Denali, visit Fairbanks, and some of them were headed south to visit Ketchikan and our sister communities in the Inside Passage. The economic ripple effect of this event is going to be felt throughout the region and throughout the state. So it's, it's incredibly important, and I think it's helped cement Juno's place as a place to come and train to and, and to compete. And for the economic value, do we have a clear picture yet of what Iron Man's impact was? Not completely. I believe that uh, the city finance department, you know, after the first quarter and they get a chance to, you know, get those uh, hotel bed taxes in and sales tax in for the quarter, they'll have a a clearer picture of the impact uh, once that data is available. And I remember at the chamber luncheon, though, that uh, the Iron Man folks did end up coming to Juno businesses for many of their uh, logistical needs, right? They did. Uh, And that was our outfitters, our grocery stores, uh, all manner of businesses benefited from having that uh, crew of people in town. They come in, they need stuff. They're going to be here for several days. So whether it's groceries or equipment, we sent them to all of our partners and every business in Juno we could think of to fill those needs. Yeah, I ask that because we're thinking about the hotel bed tax, but I was also curious, you know, what other parts of Juno were feeling Iron Man. So I thought that was interesting that the businesses were also feeling that as well. Yeah. And as I explained um, a couple of weeks ago at the chamber, um, the organizers were able to source a lot of their needs regionally, uh, mostly locally. So all of their individual vendor needs, they were able to get taken care of right here in Juneau or with a partnership through AML or fairly, fairly regionally. They did not have to bring a lot of things from outside or get a lot of outside vendors involved, which was a terrific thing. So our, our Juneau uh, vendors with box trucks and equipment uh they all they all benefited now that we so that we all fully understand we have two more years of iron man that's correct correct. that's correct yes so and so how does that work we're holding two more uh triathlon events yes we will hold um the next event 23 will be I believe that's August 6th. It will also be on a Sunday. And the date for the 24 race has not been announced yet, but it'll be announced um, probably late this summer, summer 23. And our job is to uh, help them, again, make sure that they have everything that they need, uh, have a big debrief after each one of these races and decide what's ahead for Juno uh, in the upcoming years. So 24 will be the end of the initial three-year contract, and we'll take a, a really deep dive after that and decide how best to proceed. You know, I, I still really like that story where uh, you were saying that the email came in and you didn't quite know whether to believe it. What, what, what is Iron Man? <laughs> That's right. Should I take this seriously? That's right. I thought, yeah, I, I thought I was just, uh, you know, being fished. And uh, and sent that on to my convention sales manager, who came back and said, it is absolutely for real. This is something we want to jump on. So we did, and here we are. Well, 
before we close out the program here, I wanted to also put a bow on the cruise part as well, because I almost forgot the flags still need to go down. So do you have some of the info we need to know for that? Yes, the uh, Friends of the Flags will be taking the state flags off of their standards this Saturday, October 1st. That project will start at about 7 in the morning and last till about 11 o'clock in the morning. We still do need a few couple of volunteers, so folks can call me if they're, they're interested in giving us a hand. And uh, we will meet at about 6.45 in the K2 lot and take off from there. But uh, for residents, please expect some uh, minor delays along Egan as we move through and and take those flags down and uh, put them away for the year. And we're happy to announce that Triangle Bar will once again hold a fundraiser for Friends of the Flags, the Alaska flag will be um, available for silent auction and donations taken for the other state flags first come first serve and we're hoping to get that launched for first friday great well we'll keep you updated and uh, thank you liz for coming in this morning thank you kevin and thank you for listening this is kevin allen fraction line signing off